Welcome, everybody, at another episode of the Wrestling vs. the World podcast. If you are enjoying today, awesome. If not, well, <laughs> depending on who you're a fan of in this video, we'll determine whether or not you like this episode. So, we all know this man's name, Triple H. Polarizing figure within WWE. And a certain, we've known a lot of time periods over his career. We remember 2011 for being the COO. We remember 2002 to 2005 for his reign of terror. Around, probably remember 2006 with DX and all this other shit. But one period that seems to get brought up a lot, with some iffy results, is Triple H's run in 1996, a.k.a. his punishment period. So I figure, why not talk about that today? Because there are two things... It happened during this period, like what happened after it happened, and some things that people kind of, either through mismemory or through bad editing, kind of get a little off about this period. So, we all know what caused this and what happened was Madison Square Garden, May 19, 1996. MSG incident, current call, whatever you prefer to call it. The whole incident where, in the main event, Shawn Michaels retained the WWF Championship in Madison Square Garden at a house show against Diesel... And after match, himself and Diesel, Razor Ramon and Triple H also enter the ring. And they all end up having a group hug, thereby breaking kayfabe. Now this was a big deal because kayfabe was worked hard on to be protected within the business at this point. Where you never saw faces and heels interact in terms of a friendly manner like breaking character. Yet this is exactly what they did. And now the 123Kid aka Sean Waltman could not be a part of this. I believe he was at rehab. And afterwards, people backstage were losing their shit. And now, the big problem, though, Vince had, he was originally okay with it, but then he realized he had to punish somebody because of this. Now, you could not punish Shawn Michaels because he was a top guy. You could not punish Kevin Nash or Razor Ramon because they were on their way out, so they were pretty much untouchable. So one person was left with the punishment, Triple H. Uh. Now, before I get into how this punishment was, there are a couple things that... People seem to have a bad memory of in terms of this period. Number one, I don't know if it's fans are doing it or just WWE, where whenever they talk about Triple H's punishment, they show footage of him getting thrown into a hog pen full of mud. Here's a problem though with that, folks. That match was back at In Your House Seasons Beatings, the hog pen match, which was the Arkansas hog pen match. I believe it was against Henry Godwin. That was in December 1995. So this was before that punishment period even began. So I don't know why footage is constantly shown saying like, oh, Triple H, he was punished for his crimes against kayfabe. But then they have to show that footage because that hog pen match had nothing to do with it. Like I said, that was five months before the current call. And also his squash match against the Ultimate Warrior WrestleMania 12 also had nothing to do with it. Again, happened before the MSG incident, like about two months prior to this. And plus I believe Triple H mentioned in the... Destruction Ultimate Warrior DVD, that Warrior was just being an unprofessional prick and just decided that he was going to win the match via a squash. So, those two incident instances that I mentioned had nothing to do with Triple H's punishment. Hopefully that's clear. I don't get why people lump those together. But now, when you look through Triple H's punishment period, this lasted about five months. Because after the MSG incident, and I'm only going to count TV matches, because... Really, house show matches, anything can happen on those shows to the point where they're not really the most relevant unless there's a title change. But let's look back at his wins and losses because a pattern I see here is that his losses, not most of the time, happen against names that were known in the WWE 
A couple have been names that were known outside of WWE, so they weren't established WWE names. Anytime he won, they're all against lower card, like, jobber characters. So first off, In Your House 8 Beware of Dog, he lost to Marvelous Mark Merrow, who he was having a feud with ever since after WrestleMania. Shortly after that, he lost in the first round of the King of the Ring Tournament Finals against Jake the Snake Roberts, and that was another thing that was also supposed to happen. He was supposed, Triple H was supposed to have won the 1996 King of the Ring Tournament, but due to him committing these acts, that win got taken away from him and eventually went to Stone Cold, and Triple H would get King of the Ring the year later. But as a way of punishment, he lost in the first round of this tournament to Jake the Snake Roberts, who would go on to the finals. Now, one of the most infamous matches that we remember through all this, I know you all remember this very well, Right after this, he had a match on an episode of Superstars where he defeated Marty Garner. The very same Marty Garner who MVP paced, or faced at No Mercy 2006. But it's also the exact match where Triple H went for the pedigree. Marty Garner did not know what move he was taking. Thought it was like an underhook suplex or powerbomb or something. And tried jumping through the move and got spiked down on his head. But here's the thing though, Marty. Last I checked, whenever I've seen somebody deliver in double underhook suplex or any other kind of double underhook move chances are not including the double underhook powerbomb chances are you got put in a double underhook and you're under the person by the person's side rather than between their legs like you want an example look at the albeit sloppy double underhook suplex that uh andre the giant used to do he never had the person's head under between his legs and then deliver the underhook suplex it's usually around the side first rather than what he thought so because of that, he got spiked on his head, and I believe he filed a lawsuit against the company. Remember, it's me right. The following month, on an episode of Raw, he ended up losing to Ahmed Johnson. So again, a known name. Now, next couple matches were both superstar steepings, both different results. One of them saw him lose to Mark Merrow, but on the, the exact same day that they were taping, on an episode that was aired three episodes earlier, he defeated jobber Jerry Fox. And again, I guess the jobber because... Point of it, he's a lower guy that nobody knows, and his job was losing, and I have no clue who he was. Uh, a little bit after that, there was an episode of Raw that happened on an episode on a Friday night. It was the tournament quarterfinals to determine who was going to become Intercontinental Champions. I believe the championship was vacant around this time due to Ahmed Johnson having to uh, vacate the championship due to injury, and Triple H lost to Psycho Sid. Now, after this, they did a couple more Superstar tapings between three episodes. After this, Triple H would lose to Savio Vega, but two episodes prior to that, he would end up defeating jobber David Haskins. So you kind of see a pattern. Sometimes he would do more than one match where he defeats a jobber, but then he also has to tape to have another match, and he loses to a no-name. Now, one show I did not know ever happened was called WWF Sun City Super Bowl, which was done all the way down to South Africa back on September 14, 1996. Again, he lost to Savio Vega. Now, there were two matches that were taped on September 23rd, 1996. One of them aired on an episode of Raw, and then another one aired about a month later, so maybe in October-ish. One of them, he lost to Freddie Joe Floyd via countout, who, for those who don't know, that was the in-ring name at that point for wrestling legend Tracy Smothers. And another match, he lost to The Stalker, a.k.a. Barry Windham. You know, the guy with the whole camouflage paint on his face. Right after this, he had another superstar receiving match where he defeated another jobber known as Julio Sanchez. No clue who that was. Now, after this, this is where things suddenly turn around. As, well, somewhat a little bit. The following pay-per-view that we saw at WWF In Your House, Buried Alive, 
he would become a last-minute substitute. Now, I mentioned this on the three-part series about WWE matches card, uh, card subject to change. At Buried Alive, you were supposed to see Stone Cold go one-on-one against Salvio Vega. That got changed, and instead, Stone Cold went up against Triple H. Heel versus heel match, and, trip, and Stone Cold won. The night after, October 21st, 1996, Triple H's fortunes suddenly changed as he would defeat Marvelous Mark Merrill, thanks to interference by the wonderful Mr. Perfect, to become the brand new Intercontinental Champion. And I believe this was his first championship at this point. So, it quote-unquote punishment? Let's look back at this a moment. That punishment period lasted all of like five months. And it's not like he was at the bottom tier of the company where he was losing to every single person in every single match. In reality, when you look at his punishment, all he had to do was lose to the known names. Give or take the Stalker or Freddie Joe Floyd, depending on if you knew who they were, but they weren't really names in WWE's terms, especially with these new ring ring names, and was only defeating the the unknown names, like Julio Sanchez and Jerry Fox and Marty Garner. So when WWE tries to play it off saying, oh, Triple H, he, had to, he plays them plates of shit. He had to like the taste of it. Again, the quote-unquote punishment period wasn't all that bad. It lasted for five months to where who he beat and lost to was different, and he eventually became Intercontinental Champion again, and by King of the Ring 97, he would get his crown, once and for all. And plus, honestly, in a way, it was actually a good thing that the MSG incident happened, because if you didn't have that, we would never would have gotten the Austin 316 promo of King of the Ring that year. So in a way, Triple H breaking kayfabe was actually a good thing for the state of the business. So I don't, hopefully that's going to sell it instead of people thinking, oh, Triple H was buried. He just kept losing. No. He lost to the known guys, beat the guys that were completely unknown. So he wasn't like losing to everybody. And two instances that I mentioned, the whole thing about losing the Ultimate Warrior and squash match at WrestleMania 12 and the Hogpen match from December 95 against Henry Godwin, they had nothing to do with this punishment period at all. They were done before the whole MSG incident, so they had nothing to do with it. Hopefully people understand that. So anyway, let me know your thoughts in the comment section below. What did you think about Triple H's run in 1996 for his quote-unquote punishment period? I mean, they were good in terms of long-term business because of what happened due to him getting punished. But again, it's just a blip on the radar. I mean, look at all the stuff he accomplished since then. Stuff I have a feeling I'm probably going to have to cover in future episodes. You never know. But anyway, let me know your thoughts in the comment section below about Triple H's run in 96 during this punishment period. If you enjoyed the episode, please remember to leave a like. Comment what you think below. Subscribe if you're on YouTube with the bell turned on. Or follow if you're listening on other services like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever I may have this podcast at. So anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. Like, comment, subscribe. Peace out. And good day, everybody.